0: Salad Days
1: Welcome to the Salad Days podcast, featuring interviews with your favorite artists talking about their musical origins and humble artistic beginnings. Join me, Dave Ulrich, as we travel back to the early days and hang out for a bit. Our journey this week features our special guest, Dave Merritt from the Golden Seals. So one thing I'll say, I'll point out about this episode is I don't have seasons for this uh, salad days thing, but if it, if I did, this would be like the second season uh, because uh, I've not done a few of these over the summer and I'm now, we're here in September of uh, 2023 and uh, uh, this is going to be a new batch of stuff. I've got a few interviews, uh, conversations lined up. And, um, I'm looking forward to doing some of them in person as a, as something new this time around. So stay tuned for some of that. Anyway, I just got to say that this, uh, the embryonic track here is pretty good, but you got to stay tuned because there's an even more embryonic track that happens live off the floor from Mr. Dave Merritt himself. And here he is. Yeah. So we don't have to look at one another? No, No, this is like, this is like, uh, the analogy I would say, it's like the two of us driving in a car on tour, you know, (laughs) sitting side by side. So there's no, uh, there's no visual. It's just the talk. That's a good old.
2: You're so lucky.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's jump right in Dave and and we'll just, we'll just, we'll get cracking. So,
2: okay. I I have to warn you though. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, Heavily medicated right now because of this stupid tooth infection. So if I nod off, Dave, just do do something loud over there. And uh, well, I I think
1: that could add a little uh a little uh, edge or levity to the whole yeah. thing, don't you think?
2: Sure, yeah, I need <laughs> that. I need it.
1: <laughs> so, so uh you know, uh the idea of the podcast is is kind of just getting at the idea of your origin to music and, and why why and how you got into it, and so. Um. before we get into that, though, I'd like to just cover uh, sort of one some, some points of common connection uh, that we have. And you and I go way, way, way back. And it's so far back, I'm going to need you to help kind of fill in the blanks. Because part of the reason I'm doing this is I, I, I do have a lot of uh, uh, empty spots, I think, in my memory. And anyway, uh, the setup is just that we, when the inbred started, you know, we used to do this, you know, I call it the, the, the 401 run, you know, and we would yeah. do these trade-off shows in Toronto with bitamine right and we would do trade-off shows in Ottawa with I don't know wooden stars yeah and then you know we would go down to London and in the first few times we went to London um, you know we went to call the office and but then we also would go to the embassy and we got in this habit of doing one then the other going back and forth and so somewhere along that line um, I believe it was in London we played with Adam West and the, I'm assuming that's the first time that we met but do you, What do you remember about the early days of your band, Adam West? I'm pretty sure that we switched shows and you came to Kingston as well, but what, what's what's your memory of those those very, very early days?
2: Actually, you know, we never, never once played Kingston. And in fact, I think to this day, I don't think I've ever played a show in Kingston, either with Adam West or the Golden Seals or Solo. I've never played in Kingston.
1: No kidding. Okay. Yeah,
2: but But I don't think... I think somehow we met or knew uh, about uh, one another's bands before we played that show. And I'm pretty sure that show was at Call the Office. But okay, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I can't recall the first time we met. It was probably you you guys opening for the Rios somewhere, either at the embassy or at uh, Call the Office. But I... I think we got hooked up with the Rio statics around the time that you guys, um, it was probably when you were, um, doing Combinator.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. So, uh, after, after Hilario. So, so I think that that's what it was. We heard about you through Dave Clark or the Rio's and then, maybe saw you play, but um, I think that we'd met before we even played that show. Yeah, like, I, don't, you know, I don't remember anything about that show.
1: No, I, me either. I just know that, like, to set context also for for um, people that may, may be listening, it's just, it's just the idea that, you know, there, there really was a circle of bands around the Rio Statics, yeah. at, well, really at all times, but definitely at that time, those were, like, really kind of early days. And, you know, we were one of them, you were one of them, Local Rabbits was one of them. and. Yeah combine that with the fact that London was this um, I don't know what it's like today but it was it really was a good like live town and very good to us over the years we had a lot of really good shows there it kind of stands out and so the connection you know I have good memories of London uh, for that reason and I have memories of you know uh, some of those early days with you and, and bands like I think one of the bands was Spool um, oh yeah, a few other ones, you know, um, and again, just the people at those, both of those, both clubs were run by really, um, you know, just good people and all that. So I yeah. so just have good memories of that time. And, I, uh,
2: I thought it was great. And I, I think that, um, you know, I was probably delusional, but I sort of saw you guys and by divine right. And us as, uh, you know, like the Beatles, the stones and the who, uh, <laughs> Um, or the Kinks. I, I don't, I don't know who who was who, um, but uh, you guys probably <laughs> <laughs> you guys probably didn't think that at all. In, in retrospect, we were probably more like Herman's Hermits or uh, <laughs> or NRB you know going. or something, right? You guys were yeah. all we were not quite we were not quite at the same level, you know. You guys had this cool factor, and and uh, uh, that we were just idiots. We were. I think we were funnier um, than we were good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely hear you on on those three. It's interesting you may, because it's kind of like you've got London, Toronto, Kingston. Like you've got these three, and we did sort of cross pollinate a lot in terms of the shows that we did uh, yeah. at at that time. But yeah. uh, this, this is a kind of a good setup for the early days. So let's just uh, the, let's just start in with the sort of more context, which is just. Um, just tell me where you're um, joining from today, and then uh, tell me where you grew up.
2: Oh, okay. I'm in Elmont, uh, Ontario, 35 minutes west of uh, Ottawa. Nice little um, Victorian mill town. Yeah. Uh, and I'm in my my Aria Tours office. So I think you know, Dave, that I, I run an opera travel company. Yes, so, um,
0: very I take,
2: cool. Uh, I take rich little old ladies around the world to hear opera. <laughs> Um, yeah, I designed the tours and, and this is where it all goes down. Um, and for the longest time I had my recording studio in here too, which I call Almonte hall, of course. Nice. Um, (laughs) but now that's, that's at my, uh, my house. Um, um, and I grew up in, um, well, Port Robinson, Ontario. And the claim to fame of Port Robinson is that's where Mike Smreck, uh, um, is from he's a, a seven-foot-tall basketball player who played on the Los Angeles Lakers with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic oh, Jones. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. He won two two championship rings in a row with the Lakers back in the 80s. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, like, I don't know, 400 people from Port Robinson? That's, that's where I grew up, and it's between Niagara Falls and Welland. Okay. So, um Welland is where I played my first rock show ever Um, when I was in, I don't know, grade 12 or 13. I remember one of my classmates, I wasn't even close with this guy, and he had had like a synthesizer band, and he knew I could sing and asked me if I wanted to play a show, and they were getting paid. It was at this dive bar in Welland. And uh sorry to jump right in here, Dave, but it wasn't. No, was- no, do yeah. it. Do it. Um but uh he asked me if I wanted to sing and I remember I remember exactly what I wore that night. Um and this was this was like a rough bar. It was not a bar where um uh, a 17 year old synthesizer band should uh, <laughs> should have been playing. <laughs> anyway, I remember I had this terrible Kmart um like cutoff uh, sweat sweater with some sort of um, Japanese character on the front of it. It was red. Um, so I had, I had like exposed the arms and um, I'm singing this dude's songs and they were, they were absolutely terrible. It was called uh, sad S A D D. And the chorus, I remember the chorus to this day, Dave, it went to, uh, Drinking and driving—it's a sad day. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad, so bad. At one point during the show, I'm singing these terrible songs, and this old, this old uh, regular—let's call him—in the crowd, wearing a Labats fifty cap, yells, uh, "Play something different." <laughs> <laughs> and the dude, the dude who wrote the songs and it was his band, he said, "Well, um, uh, like what?" And the dude in the fifty cap said, "Like music." And, I, <laughs> and and I, I laughed my ass off into the mic on stage, and the guy who whose band it was didn't really appreciate that. So that was my first and last show with that band.
1: I can't believe you can remember that detail,
2: oh uh, Dave. God, but it, it reminds
1: me of, of a of a point I I made in an earlier uh, one of these podcasts was that in uh, like to think I don't I don't think of you as like a four higher frontman, but in in Oshawa, when uh, where I grew up, of course the. The, you know front men had their own PA and their own like usually microphone and they were almost like the way a guitar player would have a guitar and an amp uh, uh, if you were a singer you would show up with your PA right so if, in addition to the su- suave outfit that you just described but yeah so like if you were actually trying to work as a singer that's what you would do in Oshawa so oh I'm assuming God. that's not what this was but maybe you know
2: you had your own, own PA that's bananas
1: yeah that, that was the deal wow like okay, it. so let's let's gonna go. We're gonna go. Let's go back to uh, Port Port Robinson, right? Yeah. And we're gonna be we're gonna go when you're you know uh, like kind of like high school age or younger, um, and uh, we just want to like set the tone for what your you know what your life was like in your home life maybe, and I say that you know it's it's a Friday night and we're at your house, and uh, you're at home and there's some some food on the stove, something's cooking in the oven, uh, and and what memories you have of that. And what, you know, what, what is this, what is the smell that you can remember and, and why do you remember it so well?
2: Hmm. The smell. Wow. Well, we grew up in the, in the, uh, I grew up in the country. So we, we were, we had a farm with no animals. Um, okay. Yeah. So it was five acres. Um, and it was just grass. Right. <laughs> so I remember having to cut the grass pretty much every weekend. And it would take me an entire day because we had a 1968 case lawnmower that was, I don't know, it went about three miles an hour. So it would take me an entire day to cut our five acres. Um, So the smell that I remember the most is probably, yeah, like cut grass. That's so, (laughs) that's such a strange question. I love it. But On a Friday night, I can tell you what my Friday nights were like when I was a kid. My folks would always go out. um, And I'm the youngest of six. So I was, you know, by the time I was in high school, I was alone. I was the last kid, (laughs) last kid standing. Um, And uh, I can remember when they would leave, I had this old shitty Sears amp that my brother-in-law um, he just gave me, and he gave me an old pan hollow body guitar. And I remember taking that amp outside and blasting guitar out into the, whatever, the countryside. And I can remember it bouncing off of our, uh, we had a little, like, a, well, it was a garage. It was kind of like a barn, but it was a garage where it was so full of crap that we couldn't park a car in there but I remember the sound bouncing off of that. And I thought, holy shit, this sounds like Woodstock.
0: It's fantastic.
2: (laughs) Um, And my Friday nights would be me outside playing, you know, like something from uh, drums and wires that that's really the first album that I um, XTC drums and wires. I would try to play, you know, all of those uh, outside world scissor man, all those songs um, so I'd blast that, and then I would go inside and watch um, Love Boat and Fantasy Island back-to-back. That was Friday <laughs> night. Do
1: you remember? It was like... Oh, yeah. I did the same, actually. Oh, oh yeah. Like, Island, Love
2: Boat yes. was 9 o'clock. Fantasy Island was 10. And then there was always some kind of hammer horror film on at 11.30 after the news. And yeah. uh, so I'd be alone, and it would scare the shit out of me.
1: Um, but anyway, yeah. Those were- well, that, that's interesting you're the last of six because I'm the last of seven. And of, of the, yeah. And of the interviews that have uh, conversations I've had here, uh, almost all, uh, have been the last, the last of, oh, really? of whatever number of kids. Yeah. It's kind of a common theme. So that's kind of interesting. And, and so I, I think that, you know, I, there was so many kids in my family that by the time, you know, by the time I was in high school, there was already some, you know, like coming back home or coming and going. And so, uh, I don't know whether, like, you, you know, if if you were there, like, sort of by yourself as the last. I I had I had that similar thing, but there was like it was there was such an age gap that some some of the guys were actually coming back home. Uh, but you know, I I definitely think that uh, the idea of playing in your uh, in your yard like that, playing your amp outside, is uh, some of the very first times that I ever saw live music, and I, I experienced sort of slapback. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just I I loved it, but you know, whether it was the kick drum or. Even sometimes oh when God. they play the music before the show, I don't know why I always like that. I still like it, and I I've, I do similar things like the the my place in in Prince Edward County. I've I've actually done this before. I've I've done take, taken an amp outside, or uh you know just literally just set drums up outside and listen to them like the slap back off the barns and stuff like Dick, that. It's really it's really fun.
2: That's so weird that you say that because to to this day, I mean that is my favorite effect. Like a slap delay is my, it's the, I, I hate reverb, but I love slap delay. And maybe that, maybe that's why.
1: Yeah. It's like formative or something. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. So you, you're, it sounds like you're right into, if you're into XTC, you're already getting into that at that, that, age, that, that means you're, um, I would say, you know, you, you weren't like me uh, doing Van Halen or whatever you, it sounds like you went, you went to some of the, uh, some, something slightly more sophisticated, which is, which is very cool in it. Definitely alludes to, I think, where your music will go uh, as you grow up. But uh, you know, other questions was just about, you know, within within your family, um, what what kind of you know, you said it was it was in the country. What kind of? Um, and I think you mentioned the your brother with the guitar. But what 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 other access to like music did you have in the house? Like, was it turntables or uh, you, know, um, would, oh, yeah. you know, like what what kind of what kind of music? Or was it the radio? Like, what was, what were some of the things that were hitting you wow. musically?
2: Well, the, the AM radio was always on in the, uh, in the dining room. Uh, and I, I remember um, 710 CGRN from Niagara Falls was on all day long. And it was, you know, your standard 1970s AM programming, a lot of Ann Murray, a lot of Gordon Lightfoot. Um, and in addition to that, my, my parents both, they kind of both sang around the house My dad, my dad had a really good voice and he loved um, real country music, you know, uh, um, Hank Williams, Patsy Cline. So he was always singing that stuff around the house. Um, But we also had the, you know, the ubiquitous uh, hunk of furniture turntable, right? Like that, that uh, I don't even know what the hell you call it, but it was that unit that had uh, it had the slot in it where you could put the, the records um inside and the speakers built in um and and uh i mean we we had that my the entire time that i was in that house and that's what i listened to music on until i got my own stereo when i was 17 or 18 listening to beatles for hours and singing along with them and and that's how i learned to to sing harmonies was Beatles records. And, uh, my mom had tons of big band stuff. And, um, so that was the earliest, uh, exposure. And then my brother, John, he was playing amazing music for me when I was really young. You know, I remember, and he, he loved jazz. So I was listening to, you know, Thad Jones, Mel Lewis, and all the, um, Clifford Brown, Miles Davis, obviously all that, that stuff. When I was, you know, six, seven years old, and I totally loved it. And he always had a wicked um, stereo set up too—great turntables, great speakers. Uh, so that really, really pushed me along and got me into music, along with just, you know, the natural love for the the Beatles. And then, you know, shortly after that, that's when I started playing guitar, and and uh, uh, and the rest is history, Dave.
1: Yes. Okay, let, this is because That's a, that's a good setup then to go to the the second part of the conversation, which is which is your your embryonic uh, track. So we're gonna play the track and we'll talk about it. Um, this song is called "Happy Homemaker."
3: Well, the weather was loud on the day that she died, and the cause of death was overdose of ironing clothes. And some believe it was the. rain Expert in domestic affairs Like how many tomatoes to put in the sauce And how to get the stain Leave. It was the wrinkles that killed her but it'll all come out in the wash, I
1: okay that was happy homemaker a uh we've not talked about this song but what I'm interested to hear your the sort of context on it because of course it has all the hallmarks of where your music I think would go in my opinion it's got all it's got the melody it's got uh, you know, it's got the uh, just the the kind of um, songwriter songwriter kind of uh, seeds there in this. But it, the fact that you're 24, I'm interested to hear. So, where does this fit in with the? Uh, um, why did you choose this track as your embryonic track?
2: Well, I think it's uh, I think it's the first one that isn't completely embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I can still. I mean, we skipped. Uh, we skipped a good ten-year chunk of songwriting. There, yes, right? we did. Yeah, so I can. I mean, I can. And Dave, I'm just. I'm gonna do it because I remember it. I remember the very first song I ever wrote, and I can. I I was 14, and I okay. wrote it for uh, for a girl in my class, and it went something like. I have to back up. I have to back up a little bit. Um. When I say back up, I mean back away for the kids at home. Backing away from the mic here, but the song goes like this: uh, Mary Ann, you have
3: made me realize there is more to life than being a clown. Clowns aren't happy; they are very sad.
2: And we laugh at them whenever they frown. And I, <laughs> I, swear, and I could keep going, Dave, but I'm not going to. And I, I have to do the, I don't know, I have to do the Robert Goulet voice when I do it because it's so goddamn bad. Anyway. But-
1: that did have some goulay. I love it. That yeah, was that's really that's like a it. first. That's a first for this podcast and yeah, actual live. Uh, love it, Dave. You 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 just you 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 can just pull the goods out like that right out of your right out of your satchel.
2: <laughs> I remember every. <laughs> I remember every terrible lyric to that song. Um, but anyway, so so the happy homemaker. Let's we'll get ahead ten years. I got into. Um, I lucked into law school at UBC. So I was like <laughs> the last person accepted to law school in 1990. Um, and before that, I I played in a band, or not in a, in a band. It was like a, an acoustic duo with um, Drew Evans, who ended up, he was booking um, Call the Office for quite some time when you guys were playing there. Back right, ago. yes, yes, yes. Right? Um, Drew and I were roommates in first year university, that's how I met him. And, mm. um, and we had an acoustic duo, we would play a bunch of covers and maybe one or two original songs. Um, um back in first or maybe second third year university, uh, and we were called the Somber Reptiles, which is a, a Brian Eno song on uh, Another Green World. Cool, um, but, uh, you know, we had a couple of shows and then I, I got into UBC. So I went out there. Um, and after a couple of weeks, I hated it. Like the shine wore off the, the law school Apple after about two weeks, (laughs) hated it. And then drew was ended up playing in a band called law 49 in London with, um, um, which became Adam West. Uh, and I was totally jealous. Like these guys are playing music and I'm, Hating school out in Vancouver. So toward the, I guess it was the the end of my first year there, I was like, you know what, I, I have to start playing music. So I bought a four track from someone, and this could be a manufactured memory. I have it in my head that I bought it from the guy from the Water Walk. And I don't know if you remember that band, but they had a mm. great song called Turn Your Face Away with a cool video. Um, and I love that band. Um, I bought a, an old Fostex X26 4-track and um, a Unidyne 3 mic, like an SM, uh, SM57 that I wish I had to this day, it sounds so great. Anyway, um, so I bought the 4-track and I started writing songs uh, and not um, doing homework. Um, yeah. so, uh, I got an, I don't know, I got about six songs together and then made a little demo and that song was, um, was one of the songs from, from that demo when I was out at, at UBC. Well, I don't, it's not really a demo. Like it was just, that's what I could do. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was no, there was no plan for it. Um, I just recorded the crap and sent it to Drew, and those guys really liked it. So then they wanted me to come back and and play in the band with them. So I ended up, um, after my second year of law school, I ended up taking a hiatus uh, because you could take two years off during your LLB, um, and I yep. went back to London and started singing in uh, in lot 49 <clears throat> and you have to picture it Dave this is uh this is uh, you know <clears throat> two years before adam west but i'm wearing tight bell-bottom jeans army boots um a do-rag and i'm i'm essentially axel rose yeah, totally i was gonna say axel rose perfect. man so <laughs> in lot 49 i was just the lead singer like growly I'm I'm embarrassed to say like semi-grungy lead singer right um right right. yeah it's just wrong the whole thing was wrong um (laughs) but yeah so that's that's where that that happy homemakers song (laughs) led you know I mean I think you're right that's that's like that's pop rock stylings that that song um and that is closer to what ended up being the Golden Seals than than yeah. um, where I went the the few years after that that song, you know, with Law Forty Nine, Adam West.
1: Did did that actual recording? Obviously, it, it sounds like it, in a way it got you the gig, right? You yeah. came back to London. Did, was it played anywhere else? Uh, you know, has it? You know, would anybody else have ever heard that? Did it ever go to radio or? No, I mean, you know, right, you, know I, you know,
2: I don't think that I. Oh, yeah, I think that uh, – well, I don't know if I released that at CHRW. I used to just give them tapes and they would play it on the air, right? Um, but uh, Lot 49 did a version of of The Happy Homemaker that was – That was more grunge. No, (laughs) (laughs) that was definitely more rocking, but we would play that song live. So folks in London around that time heard that song, yeah.
1: Is there one element when you listen to it now that sort of stands out uh, as representative of the music that you would do with the Golden Seals, like whether the melody or the guitar style, or is there anything specific?
2: Yeah, I don't, I think that the, um, I, I, I don't hate that melody. Um, it's, uh, I mean, the, the lyrics are a little bit embarrassing, but, um, <laughs> but the, I, yeah, I think that's, I think that's pretty much me. I think you nailed it. That's the, that it does have all the, <laughs> the Dave Merritt hallmarks. That's just like, it's ridiculous to talk about me <laughs> having, yeah, that's so Dave Merritt.
1: <laughs> that's what everyone's saying you know
2: yeah, oh yeah that's what all the kids are saying anyway yeah no that sounds that sounds pretty golden seals to me maybe i'll re-record it dave i'm gonna put it's gonna be a huge hit i'm gonna do it
1: well i think you know i i think you totally <laughs> uh you're totally good basically it's no it's it's great i mean like it's it's and it's of course it's not adorned with and maybe we'll actually maybe we'll we'll uh, we'll get into some of that and then the, we'll move to the next section which is which is i think your production skill you have this as i like the song that we're going to play at the very end of this episode i've listened to it a whole bunch of times um and you'll talk about it later but it's it is just your a hallmark of your particularly with the golden seals is your production skills which i'd like to learn a bit more about okay so for music becoming real i tend to think of uh often stories from the early days when we were just starting um and things that you know defined. Uh, Something that made me think, you know, this is this is the thing. But uh, as I as it relates to our connection, I think of the something very uh, late in my time playing music. In fact, very recent, which was the event that was held for um, uh, Dave Bookman's um, celebration of life, rest in peace, Dave. And the concept of having everyone get together at the Horseshoe. It was a closed event, and. Uh, Dave, you were there, and it was great to talk. Uh, but it was the fact that you know we were asked to play a few songs, um, along with everyone from Blue Rodeo to Sarah Harmer to Billy Talent to a whole cast of people that were Dave's favorites, and it was such an honor to be part of that. But I, I definitely thought, looking back, you know, twenty five years after the fact, it's so amazing that um, music is was so real for us that we're doing something like this. So that was very cool. So. That's that's sort of my story. What what would you say is um, when when you think of the concept of music becoming real? What do you think of in terms of your your time playing? it just switched into something that you thought this is what I'm going to do for my rest of my life?
2: Uh, it's so much easier for me to um, talk about the the reverse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when, you know, like when it was. I I think there was probably a six year stretch where I thought yeah i'm gonna make this work i'm going to um you know from from the time that uh adam west released brunswick hotel and things things um started to look pretty good there um you know we had a song on on in rotation on cfny and then the rios asked us to tour with them um and uh and then uh, Dave Clark wanted to uh, make our next record with us. And, you know, um, I remember <laughs> everybody wanted to get signed, right? And midnight is like, that was the thing. Oh, my God, we're yeah. going to get signed. Everybody's going to get signed. I remember a late night um, talk with Bedini and Bookman. I don't know where we were, um, but it was – pretty close to the CBC studios somewhere in Toronto. And, uh, um, Dave Bookman just said, Oh, you guys are going to get signed. No, you're going to get signed. So if Dave says that, it's like, then it's true. Right. So we thought, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. we thought for sure. So it was like, shit, you know, I think maybe, maybe I'm going to be a musician, you know, and of course that never happened. Um, but then, uh, then I went down to North Carolina for a couple of years and played in a pretty good band down there. And I, you know, I felt like I was starting to improve. Then I came back to London and made the first golden seals record, which I was really proud of and thought again, thought maybe I can make a go of this. And then, um, nothing really happened with the the record. Of course it didn't. Um, and then uh, I moved to Ottawa and got a job. And this is – this I don't know if you know this, Dave, but, okay. but uh, yeah. So when, when Mike put out The Owl, um, he contacted me. And, again, you know, we were talking about Dave Bookman. I think Bookman, he needed a guitar player. And uh, he was talking to Bookman about it. And Bookman said, what about Dave Merritt? So Mike said, okay, yeah, I'll give him a, a call. So he asked me to um, – to play guitar in his touring band and I had just started this full-time job in Ottawa um, but I really wanted to do it I, obviously I loved you guys and and I, I loved his that that first record and uh, um, and I'd only ever toured once with the Rios back in 94 so I was excited to do it I asked my boss for the time off and he said no <laughs> so I had to decide whether to, um, uh, you know, give up this awesome musical opportunity um, and keep a full-time job or um, ditch um, guaranteed income (laughs) and follow my musical dreams. And I I ended up, I I had to say no to Mike and it crushed me to do it. Um, But uh, I remember thinking right then that yeah you know um i think you just made your decision that music is going to be a hobby for you um and sure enough it's
1: that's pretty, that's pretty
2: funny it's been a hobby for the last 25 years and i think he he actually ended up on that tour i think i don't know if it was I don't know if he definitely got someone from the local rabbits I don't know if it was
1: Pete. yeah it was it was Pete it was I think Pete? Yeah. yeah
2: okay yeah. yeah so anyway yeah all my dreams died right there Dave
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like the opposite of music it's 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 still an instructive a uh, great story I did not know that and it is it is good to have a handle on that uh, yeah. kind of stuff but it, it brings up a point which we I really do of course want to touch on which is the uh, your time connected to the Rio Statics and the Harmelodia album and all the detail around that. Tell, tell me a bit more about that and how that came to be.
2: Oh, that was actually, that was really cool. I was living in North Carolina at the time. Um, so I followed uh, an ex-girlfriend down there. Um, she was going to Duke and I lived down there for two years. And it was around that time that um, Bedini asked if I wanted to contribute to this album and um, I had a song that uh, actually Mike Bennell, who who was uh, in the Seals for the first, I think he's he's been on pretty much every record, but really Mike and I um, made that first Golden Seals record with uh, Andy McGoffin at uh, the House of Miracles in in London. Um, Mike had a little like a little keyboard vamp, um, and I took that and blew it up and made a full song out of it. Um, and uh you know came up with the lyrics based on the harm story and i remember you know these are the old old days dave so i recorded it i did a shitty recording to a cassette and mailed that cassette to bedini from north carolina <laughs> and he really liked it <laughs> yeah um so then they just took that cassette recording and made this this ca- castle of a song out of it with the strings and Sarah Harmer singing it. It's just, it's just beautiful. It's, it, uh, I was really, really chuffed about that whole thing. And then just before they mixed it, they actually called from the studio. Um, and Michael Philip Voivoda was, was, uh, he was just going to mix it, but they had me put background vocals, um, by telephone, right. on, on that song, and because of the delay, they had they had a little bit of you know it was like it was like David Foster in that uh, Tears Are Not Enough video, trying to get the timing and the, yeah. and the you know the pitch and having to do it the old fashioned way. But um, yeah, they had to uh, they had to sync it up somehow uh, to make it make sense. But um, yeah, that was really cool. That whole that whole experience. Um, and then they re-recorded that song for Night of the Shooting Stars, did a right. pop version of it. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah, that and was so pretty you,
1: And so you said you did do some shows with them, is that right?
2: As Golden Seals? The Golden Seals opened for the, the Rios a bunch of times. Okay. Um, in Ottawa and in uh, Kitchener. I did some solo openers for them in Toronto around that time too. But yeah, and then there were a few times where they would get me up on stage and do a Golden Seal song, you know, the rheostatics backing me up. It was was awesome.
1: It was great. That sounds very cool. I love it. I love it. Um, Okay, so what I wanted to ask about was something I mentioned earlier, which is production. Okay. Speak to me a little bit about your, um, you know, you you call it a hobby, but you've you've clearly, uh, over the years, particularly in the Golden Seals years, it seems like you've got some very interesting techniques and skills with production. An example would be, Cause I believe we talked about this a long time ago, how you can take drums and, uh, sort of chop them up and make, you know, like a, like with a Ginsu knife, you can make magic out of pieces talk to me a bit about production.
2: Well, uh, you know what? It's, it's almost my favorite aspect of the whole, the whole deal. I'm not, I'm not great at it, but I have a pretty good setup and, um, I, uh, I love it, and f- f- with regard to what you're talking about, because I'm making, you know, pretty much everything on my own before it gets to the point where Phil Bova will put drums on things. Um, when I build a song, uh, the demo of it will has to have some sort of rhythm track. So, so that's that's what I'll do is I'll take real drums and chop up the parts to make the part sound the way i want it to Um, and sometimes that just becomes the backing track for um, um for a song you know for example uh when you when you asked me to contribute to the the um the rios tribute album um i took a drum track uh from a totally from a golden seal song and altered the tempo and chopped it up and made a drum track that made sense with the loving arms right, um, right. yeah so i mean I, oh, any i'm i'm sure there are 8 billion people who are better and faster at that kind of thing in the studio than i am but but it's fun <laughs> and i i don't know yeah I, I, no, I, th- I, I think it's understand. just
1: it's it's not just the 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 um, sort of production skill. It's the fact that you do you do tend to you've got an ability to uh, play a lot of instruments and you able, you make you know interesting multi layer harmonies and, and and melodies and so there's a lot in there and that's that's why like I said the song that we're gonna play at the end of the conversation is it's got all that good stuff and it was it's always I always look forward to hearing new stuff from you for that reason. Do you know That's what I mean?
2: Really nice. Yeah. Thanks. I, I think, I think that I would be an know, a half decent producer, like old fashioned producer. Yeah. <laughs> Someone who, you know, I, I can't, I don't have the confidence to EQ something, um, perfectly, but, um, you know, I could smoke a cigar and tell people what they should do with their song, <laughs> um, which is really all you had to do back in the day. Right. Um, the
1: Canada's yeah. Rick Rubin right here.
2: Rick
1: Rubin, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, okay let's let's go to the uh, we'll go to the the last section of the conversation which I call uh, flash forward and we've 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 covered some of this already which is just basically coming up to today and what you're doing you mentioned a few of the things um you know running your your company doing opera tours and all that but as as your you know your your life to to today um maybe just to set a bit of uh you know context in terms of uh what what kind of things? What kind of things do you have going on in your life uh, today? Maybe personally and musically, and, and what, what's 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 the four one one?
2: Well, it's pretty it's pretty busy. Um, I guess I could work uh, more and harder uh, doing the opera tours than I do, but um, you know I'm fine with the amount of work I'm doing there. Uh, that's always busy though, year round. Um, and I have two teenagers. Uh, my son, Jack, just turned 18, and my daughter, Lily, just turned 16. Um, so it's busy times with them, you know, learning how to drive. So yeah. I, uh, I, I take them out and uh, um, try not to let them hit anybody with my car. Um, so, so there's that. Um, but... Uh,
1: we have kids very similar ages, by oh, the way. Oh yeah? How I have old two old? two girls. Two girls. Yeah. Very and, close in age.
2: And really? Yeah. really yep. had two girls. I just couldn't remember how old they were. Um, yeah, and
1: in fact my oldest goes to Carlton now. Oh, you're kidding? Yeah.
2: Why don't yeah. you ever call? You never come over. <laughs> exactly. Come over, Dave.
1: <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I I cut like I'm one of these guys I, I kinda come in and I you know, I do the drop and i yeah. like, if you, Go right, right back. I, oh, yeah, I, no I should, I should, Dave. I should. We should go out for a, a coffee or something. Come
2: on, come to Monty <laughs> Hall. <laughs> we'll we'll lay down a couple of tracks, Dave.
1: That's come true. Hall. Yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah. So you know, life is life is pretty busy. Um, and uh, I I don't know. Do you ever do music? Do you ever do you have the inclination to do it? Do you ever? you know
1: i have found as as the years have gone on that um like f- for one thing i think that uh you know just just playing there's there's i know it sounds like it's i can barely complain but there's almost like a physical element to it that is seems a little bit harder the older i get i don't, I don't know if that uh, uh the, the drumming side of it i don't know i'm not that i play particularly hard or long or anything but there That's have been a few things that i've done
2: physically it's harder
1: yeah a little bit like it's just it's, it's just a little bit harder to kind of um I don't know, and, and like stay in the pocket and, you yeah. know, like you got to, I think with, with drums particularly, you definitely got to put the time in and yeah. I have not put the time in. But one thing I do have is I I bought one of like a like a three or $400 little e-kit, which is very cool for the few things that I have done. You know, you can just plug it into your uh, the head jack into your, you know, into your phone. You can play along with a song and you can choose the drum sounds. And it, Oh,
2: you're kidding. Yeah, that's what it, I need. Mean.
1: It really is uh, useful. So, but the most notable, and I've mentioned it on on some other of these podcasts, but the most int- like probably fun thing I've done in the last bunch of years is when I did these music festivals in the county. Um, after some, we would have after parties, and so I created a band called Couch Pants. And what that was <laughs> was a was a karaoke rock band. Okay, so one final question: If you could speak to your the you know twelve year old self back in Port Robinson yeah. uh, about playing music and. and wanting to become a musician, what would you say to them?
2: I would say, um, actually learn how to play the guitar. (laughs) Um, uh, (laughs) get some piano lessons, um, and, uh, play music because you love it. Uh, not for any of, um, the vain reasons that you will, (laughs) that you will grow up to, uh, um, to do it for. Um, right. Yeah, I wish I, wish I could uh, play music just for the, the pure joy of it. Uh, I have so many friends who do that. You know, you and I both know John, uh, John Higney. Um, John was the, the last bass player in, in Adam West. And he, he plays music all the time. He would do it if, uh, you know, if he never played out. He would just pick up a guitar every night and play because he loves it. And I have a tough time doing that. I'll go months without um, picking up a guitar uh, because I'll only do it if I have a, a hit song <laughs> to, uh, yeah. to share with the world, yeah. Dave. Yeah, I, would, I just wish that I could um, play music for the, the sheer joy of it um, uh, more than I do now.
1: Okay, that was To Be or Not To Be With Me. Some brand new stuff from the Golden Seals, Dave Merritt. And I uh, don't always play the whole song, but that time I just had to because it's such a good one. And uh, earlier in the conversation, we had the embryonic track called Happy Homemaker from the 24-year-old version of Dave. So anyway, that was uh, a great a great conversation with Dave. Really good to catch up. Just great to hear the stories from the early days, the way that we all come to music Uh, it can be a you know kind of a hilarious journey when you look back on it particularly anyway thank you Dave for continuing to make such uh, such well-crafted music over the years and I look forward to much more and uh, thank you for listening if you've made it this far I tip my hat to you until next time If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe, like, and tell all your best music-loving friends about it. Today's episode was brought to you by Zunger.com and me, Lemonade Dave. I've done a lot of things in music over the years, but these days, I mostly make bottled lemonade by hand in Prince Edward County. I'm going to crack a cold one right now. But if you're ever in P.E.C., be sure to ask for it by name and tell them Dave sent you.
0: Dave headed me made. lemonade
3: lemonade. to think a drink without the trouble
2: of drinking drinks and shots and doubles he said hark I'll make it sparkle and he added
3: stuff to make it bubble lemonade day light the sparkling lemonade if it's hot I'll Get a bottle even if it's not all Get a bottle that is